Christmas is also about missions. And I'll tell you why. When Jesus was born on that night, there were angels who appeared to shepherds in the fields. And you know what they said? They said, we have good news of great joy. We have a gospel that is good news for all the people. Jesus came to earth, but he came to earth for a specific reason. He came to earth to die and to rise again so that all who believe in him can be redeemed. After the resurrection, he challenged his disciples with this. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all the nations. This Christmas, Southern Baptists take up a missions offering called the Lottie Moon Christmas Offering, 100% of which goes to support international missions so that people can hear this good news of Jesus Christ. We give you an opportunity, if you haven't yet, to bring that offering. But Christmas is good news. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, it's so encouraging to be here to worship you. And it's only encouraging because you enter our darkness. You, the light of the world, came to earth, came out of your love for us, to die, to redeem, to save, to help us to grasp the true significance and what that means for each and every person about why you came. We love you, and it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Well, one of the features that just amazes me about the coming of Christ is how ordinary it really was. The Caesar, at this time, the Roman emperor, Caesar Augustus, it seemed like everybody knew his name, royalty. But here you have the greatest birth ever, the supernatural birth of supernatural birth, of the, the king of kings entering into the world, and only a handful of people were there to witness it. The only thing that I could come up with that may be comparable today is when royalty is, is born in, in Great Britain. Um, a few years ago, uh, Prince George was born in, in 2013. He's second in line to be the king of England now. At his birth, it seemed like the whole world was waiting. The whole world was watching. And they had a timeline prepared for his birth to get the news out, the good news out about his, his birth. Kate Middleton went into labor and then she checked into St. Mary's Hospital in London. That was in July of 2013. News outlets all over the world started to cover this news. Social media was busy. She had a baby boy. And then a formal birth announcement was placed on an easel outside of, of Buckingham Palace. 
both sets of grandparents came to the hospital to welcome him. As the royal family then left in a few days, the hospital, first they stopped for a photo op and some questions from reporters. The new parents announced that this new baby boy would officially be named George Alexander, His Royal Highness, Prince George of Cambridge. And then even an official lullaby was commissioned for the birth. They, the royal mint had coins made with George's likeness on it. Compare that to the birth of, of Jesus. Compare that to the rulers who were on thrones in ancient times. Caesar had his name on a coin, his likeness on a coin. Jesus had none of that. It was such an ordinary birth. God always surprises us. He always does things like opposite the way that you and I, anybody in our world, would do things. Let's read about Jesus' coming into this world. This is Luke's Gospel, chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. This will be the final message in a sermon series we've been doing called the Supernatural Verse, where we've taken a look at different supernatural, miraculous verse throughout the scriptures and compared them to the birth of Jesus. So now we've got to the, the supernatural birth, the birth of our Messiah. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that the whole world should be registered. This first registration took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. So everyone went to be registered, each to his own town. Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family line of David, to be registered along with Mary, who was engaged to him, and she was pregnant. While they were there, the time came for her to give birth. Then she wrapped, then she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him tightly in cloth and laid him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. This is God's holy word. So we hear about how Caesar Augustus ordered for a census to be taken of all the Roman world, and this disrupted the life of thousands and thousands of people, because they had to go back to their family's town where they grew up or where their family lineage came from in order to register for this census. Because Joseph in Israel was from the family line of King David, he had to travel back to Bethlehem, which was where David also grew up. He lived um, in Nazareth. This would have been about a nine-mile trip up, or down, rather, uh, to Bethlehem, which was closer uh, to Jerusalem. God was up to something. All the rulers of the world 
Caesar included, just <clears throat> bow to the will of God. They don't even realize they're doing it. Caesar doesn't realize that when he gives this, this census order, it's going to set events in motion that's going to fulfill prophecy that was given long ago through the prophet Micah that the Messiah would be born in, in Bethlehem. So there you have it, Mary and Joseph traveling down to, to Bethlehem. Uh, travel time would have been three to five days for them. Not an easy trip, especially for her, um, because she was so well along in her pregnancy. And then sometime after they got to Bethlehem, uh, she went into labor. Um, there seemed to be a lot of overcrowding and, and busyness in, in Bethlehem because they couldn't find even a guest room for them to stay in. Now, when we hear the word in, we immediately think of like the Holiday Inn or the Best Western. That wasn't in existence uh, at this time. In for them would have been like family dwelling. So it seemed like there was so much population um, increase for this census that they just couldn't fit Mary and Joseph in. So they had to find a place to stay, which, which happened to be uh, what seems to be at least a stable or a cave used as a stable. Uh, because after the baby was born, we're told that he was laid in a manger, which would have been a feeding trough for animals. I mean, can you imagine King George, Caesar Augustus being born and being laid in a feeding trough? But that's what you have for the Son of God, the, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, who condescended to humble himself to be born and to be born to peasants in the most ordinary fashion imaginable, in a stable, in a manger. People thought that the most powerful person in the world at this time was Caesar Augustus. And politically, in many ways, he was the most powerful person. But everyone missed the King of Kings being born. It was so under the radar. They were so busy with other things, ordinary things of life, taking the census. Even in Bethlehem, there was no room found for the king of kings to, in his family, to be able to find lodging. It just seemed like every other priority squeezed out this birth. This birth, the most important birth, the most supernatural birth, in human history. Now I wonder this Christmas, 2,000 years after Jesus has come to earth, us as his followers, have we prepared him for him in our lives? Or have we allowed all the busyness, all the different priorities that we may have to squeeze out our relationship with him? the Lordship of Jesus Christ in our life. And maybe, still yet, maybe you have yet to 
just an automatic thing, meaning you come to church or you were raised in a Christian family or you have some type of knowledge of Jesus and what he has done, that's not the same thing as actually receiving him as your Lord and Savior. So maybe that comes first for you in your life, that no more are you going to stand on the outside living your life for yourself, meaning outside of relationship with God. Maybe this Christmas is a Christmas that you need to surrender yourself, your everything to Jesus Christ and prepare your room in this way. But it becomes a daily exercise for the Christian, for the follower of Jesus Christ. Making sure that we keep Jesus first in our lives. Him on the throne. Make sure there's room always for Him as our Lord. It seems like we're always busy with something. It seems like we're always focused on, on something. In the Bible, that's actually language for worship. We're going to worship something. If it's not Jesus, it's going to be something else. It's going to be our family. It's going to be our work. It's going to be our entertainment, our, our hobby. Constantly, it's the battle of the Christian life to keep Jesus on the throne of the heart. Is there room in your busy schedule? For devotional life, time in prayer, time spent in the Word of God, getting to know God, who He is as He's revealed Himself right here in His Bible, His, His very own God-breathed Word. Have you made room in your decision-making and in your priorities for Jesus? Do you consider Jesus when you're making a decision? That's pretty telling. If you don't ask God what you should do, that should let you know that God probably isn't on the throne of your heart. You're not making room for Him there. Have you made room for Him in your stewardship? Does He impact the way that you use your money, treat your family, or raise your kids? Do you seek to honor Jesus in work and play? in every relationship that you may have. Do you slow down enough regularly to even notice Jesus? That's something that stands out to me big time in Luke's Gospel. There was so much going on. People didn't slow down enough to even notice the fulfillment of this prophecy that had been given so long ago. And there were definitely signs of, of fulfillment. This was the supernatural birth, long promised in the scriptures. Jesus coming into this world was not ordinary. And this was no ordinary baby. This was the Messiah. And Jesus several times made it clear about why he came into this world. 
the angel told Joseph why he came into this world. He came into this world to save his people from their sins. And him saying, I have not come to be served. I didn't come to sit in some palace somewhere and have servants serve me. No, Jesus didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom. That's why Jesus came into this world. The manger is in the shadow of the cross. The cross was where he paid our ransom. Our sin debt that we all owe before God because we're lawbreakers. We've all gone our own way. We've all rebelled against God. There's no neutral person who has ever walked the face of this earth. There's no innocent person. There's no good person who has ever walked the face of this earth. And because of that, we have a problem. We have a separation from God. We have condemnation between us and God that we could not remove on our own. Not by our own good works, not by self-improvement, not by accomplishment or achievement, not through religion. None of that will do the job. Jesus Christ alone came to pay our ransom. That is the meaning of Christmas. He came to die. He came to die in our place. He came, the righteous one, to die for the unrighteous sinners, you and me. But his death isn't the end of the story. He not only came to die, he came to live. He came to live sinlessly, and then he came to rise victoriously from the grave. And it's because of that, because we don't have some type of good teacher or religious figure in a grave somewhere. And by the way, I saw in a recent survey that 53% of Americans just believe that Jesus was a good teacher. Not the Son of God, but just a good teacher. The resurrection proves that he is more than a good teacher. He is Jesus Christ. Christ means Messiah. The chosen one. The one God used, his very own son, to pay our sin debt. And if he's still in the grave, our hope is nothing. We have no the Apostle Paul says that if Jesus isn't alive, then we are meant to be pitied more than most. Because we believe a lie. We should just eat and drink and be merry because tomorrow we die. And that's nothing. That's no hope. Jesus Christ came to Christmas to fulfill the prophecies, to die rise again and to open wide the gates of life to anyone at all who will come in, who will believe in him. Anybody who will prepare room for Jesus Christ in their life as their Lord and Savior. His arms are wide open. This morning we're, we're going to
to take the Lord's Supper. And I want you just to spend some time. We have uh, the communion elements set up on two tables right here. So this side can go to this table and this side can go over here to this table to get your communion elements. Before you take or go get the communion cup, I want you just to spend some time between you and the Lord. Nobody's going to be watching. This is just personal time between you and God. And consider some of those questions that I've posed to you this morning. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ already, are you daily making sure that Jesus is your priority? That there is room constantly in your heart for him. And then if you aren't yet a Christian, our hope would be, and our hope would be this for any person, that you would consider trusting in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. He's offered the gift, the good news of the gospel to you. That's his perfect life, his death in your place, and then his resurrection. But it's up to you to receive the gift. Someone gives you a gift for Christmas, it's still up to you to receive the gift. Will you receive the gift of eternal life today? And the way that you do that is through faith and repentance. It's from turning from your sin, acknowledging that you're a sinner who can't save yourself, it's asking God to forgive you and then confessing Him as your Lord and Savior. Will you do that today? This morning, we invite you to take the Lord's Supper. If you have trusted in the Lord as, as your Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, and been obedient in baptism. So Mark is going to come and, and play just quietly. We want just to give you a, a moment to spend some time between you and the Lord, preparing room in your heart for Him. And then when you're ready, don't be in a rush. Again, nobody's watching. You don't have to be in a rush here. Um, you go to the table and go grab uh, your communion cup, and then I will return um, after I sense everybody is finished. And then I'll lead us all in taking the Lord's Supper. So, come on, Mark. Oh, one thing I forgot to mention. Forgive me. Um, we have the manger down here. If you haven't um, given your Lottie Moon Christmas offering, this is an opportunity to be able to do that by just dropping it in the manger. So you can 